This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by Blue Land. Did you know that uh, about 5 billion, billion? That's a de- I checked that because that's a lot. Plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away every year. And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy. We're shipping around all this water using fuel when we don't have to. Every year, Americans throw away 25% more trash from Thanksgiving to New Year. This year, maybe turn the New Year's resolution into action that makes a difference by switching to Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's a simple idea. They have refillable cleaning products. They have a nice design. I have them in my home. It looks nice on your counter. You fill the reusable bottles with water, drop in the Blue Land tablets, wait for them to dissolve, and you never have to grab bulky, heavy cleaning supplies on your grocery run ever again. And refills, because they're small and you don't have to ship a bunch of water across the country, starts at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, and laundry tablets, Laundry tablets, everybody, you know what I mean. All Blue Land products are made with clean ingredients that you can feel good about. Blue Land is trusted in over a million homes, including, yeah, mine. Blue Land has a special offer for listeners right now. You can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss it. Blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. Again, blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John, we were just having our Patreon uh, live stream chat, which was yeah. great, and we talked a weird amount about yachts. Uh, I, I was remembering this time that I met a guy uh, who told me that he had built five yachts in his life, mm. super rich guy. And I was like, can you show me to them? And uh, mm. you show them to me. And he said, sure. And so he took me out to the docks and he was showing me and he said, this one's un, and this is du, this is toi, this is cat. And then I, we kept going and there was no more boats. I said, well, where, where's the last one? And he said, sank. And I thought that that was like really ironic, you know, that he yeah. named that boat sank. He, he should have seen yeah. that one coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a uh-huh. that's an error on his part. Yeah. Well, if if that was if that was me, I would I just would have not mentioned the fifth boat, you know. Right. I would have said I built four yachts, especially if yeah. I'm trying to sell them. You know. Right. You don't want to say like, I've got a. I, don't I got think a, he was trying to sell them to me. <laughs> I got a twenty percent success rate. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't laugh harder. I don't feel very well. I'm sick. And I usually I would have taken the week off. I have like a fever and a headache and just kind of cold symptoms. Usually I would have taken the week off, but I really needed to do the podcast today just for the news from AFC Wimbledon. So here I am. Yeah, it is good. Uh, It is good. We didn't get it last week. We didn't even tell you that the first game of the season was coming up because Brennan didn't do enough research. I woke up, uh... This morning, and I was like, oh, God, I had such a bad night of sleep, just tossing and turning and sweating. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, God, I just want to spend today in bed. But but then I had to ask myself, would Jack Curry spend today in bed? Would <laughs> okay, AFC Wimbledon we'll manager to- Johnny Jackson spend <sighs> the we'll day in there. bed? 
We'll get there. We'll get there. But first, uh, our last episode was guest hosted by Brennan Lee Mulligan, which I thought was an absolute joy. He was one of my top uh, people I'd want to guest host. Oh this yeah, podcast, you're a ma- you're a massive Brennan Lee Mulligan fan, as am I. I am. Um, and so I wanted to ask you: Do you have who would be like your ideal? We've got Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. We've got Brennan Lee Mulligan. We've mm-hmm. got a few people over the years. One uh, of my favorite all time. Two of my favorite all-time Dear Hank and John co-hosts are Danielle Bainbridge and Ashley Ford. And yep. yes. I would love to have either of them back anytime. I I enjoy the heck out of them. But I'll tell you the truth, Hank. If I could have yeah. any, if mm-hmm. anybody could co-host this podcast with me, I would pick t- Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow author oh. Gab- Gabrielle Zevin. I'm just okay. such a fan of hers. I just um, love that book so much. I still think about so it all the time. It's very good. It's very good. Uh, is she on Twitter? No, but I we're friends. I've known her for a long time. Oh, okay. <laughs> her first that's book. All, that's the only way I know to know people. You know who else I would love to have sometime? Who? John Cena. Oh, John Cena! Yeah, because I was actually, I, the, the Rock to, is on my list. Yeah, The Rock would be great, but for me, it'd be John Cena because I think we've talked about this before. How I have a recurring dream when I'm when I'm having like a really dark time. Yeah, I have this yeah. wonderful recurring dream where John Cena comes and whips me into shape and takes me to a special training camp yep. for depressed people and teaches me how to like <laughs> love the world again while also getting my head back into my body and it's just amazing. And I just want to say th- I, I want to meet John Cena one time and say, listen, man, I know this is my subconscious doing this and that you're not mm-hmm. in any way participating. Yeah. But well, you are as, maybe but... <laughs> the most important celebrity in my life because you come to me in my dreams when I need you the most. Yeah, as long as we're having uh, to uh, getting really off the beaten path into into unattainable territory, I feel like John Cena is like a like there's like a two percent chance we can get him on the podcast. But I want to get down below one yeah. with Jay Z. I uh... think I think that that would be a good podcast. <laughs> If we did a podcast with Jay-Z, the whole time it would just be me saying, like, being that Chris Farley character who's interviewing celebrities and is just like, did you remember that one time when, you remember that remember that one time in Diamonds from Sierra Leone where, where, where you said, I'm not a businessman, I'm a business comma man. Do, 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 do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, remember, remember when you said, um... Remember that one time when you said that you were photoshoot fresh, looking like wealth, and you were about to call the paparazzi on yourself? Oh, God. <laughs> How do you do it? <laughs> Every single time I dress up at all, I look in the mirror and I think, photoshoot fresh, looking like photo wealth. Fresh. <laughs> about to call the paparazzi on myself. <laughs> Remember that time when you said, I'm a hustler, baby. I'll sell water to a well. <laughs> if anybody has ideas for people we should have on as guest hosts, yeah. we'd love to hear your ideas. Because, uh, look, we, we recently realized that a bunch of people listen to this podcast. We did. Oh, we yeah. Hank and I. A few years. Hank and I hadn't looked at listener data in three years. <laughs> and we kind of figured that we were making this mostly for ourselves. <laughs> and we were a little confused Which why was people. Fine. Why people kept sponsoring it, you know? Like, yeah. How are yeah. we holding on to all these sponsors when there's like 14 people listening? 
And it turns out there's a lot of you. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and it's possible we've been undercharging. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So it, we have a we have a hit podcast on our hands, it turns out. <laughs> are, are there any people you think would want to be on our hit podcast to promote their movie who's named Keanu Reeves? Oh, oh, God. I couldn't know. It's, it would be too much. It would be too, it would, I, I couldn't actually handle that. Yeah. I right. couldn't handle it. I would spend the mm-hmm. like six weeks before Keanu was on the podcast just in a constant state of anxiety. Yeah, I was kind of nervous about Ryan. Uh, but yeah, me too. Turns out normal people are normal. Hey, let's move on to some questions from our listeners. This one comes from Darby, who writes Dear John and Hank, how do you share what you've written? without worrying your loved ones. Uh, I have a lot of writing, stories, poems, but I haven't shared most of them because I want the people I'm closest to to enjoy them, but I also want the stories to be read separately from their author. Oh, Darby, mm. you're speaking my language. <laughs> I mean, you 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 particularly found like one of John's main talking points, which uh, unfortunately is a main talking point because it is counter to the experience of most. I just, well, I just can't, I, I can't get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm stuck inside of those novels no matter what I try to do. Yes. No matter how many times I tell people, please stop reading me into the novels. They keep, they can't, they can't, well, yeah, they can't help themselves. It's, I experience uh, this from the perspective of having a, a number of sort of excellent people in the books, but everyone assuming that Andy Scamp is the self-insert Hank. And I'm like, I guess that makes sense, but these other people are much cooler than that guy. Why did you yeah. make him me? Because I'm not cool Yeah, is why. Right, that's why. I'm proud of what I've written, but I'm still struggling with showcasing my work because ultimately they're intimate glimpses into my mind. What do you think? Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Darby. I don't know. I don't know, Strangers. You gotta find strangers. But even then, it's hard, right? Like, I mean, I... Obviously, I don't know what it's like to be you, Darby, but the other day I was having dinner with um, a friend of mine and his dad, and his dad had just read The Anthropocene Reviewed, and he was like, uh, you're a real tortured guy. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I hadn't thought uh, about it the, like that before, but I guess. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I wanted I wanted to be like, aren't we all? Yeah, like, yeah. Are you just sort of at peace? Did you had you did you figure it all out? Yeah, maybe, which is great. But I I think that with the Anthropocene reviewed, I I felt like I can't escape being me in these novels. Like I can't escape being read into them. I can't escape being. Um, you know, uh, a character in them, sure. even if I try not to be. You will, yeah. I mean, you you are a character in the Anthropocene Reviewed, and so that's what I did. I was like, yeah. fine, right? Okay, I will make myself a character. Yeah, and I will I will at least have some control over how will, that character yeah. is represented. It will at least just like be me stuff, not like right. Ha- like instead John- of it being imagined <laughs> that Hank is Andy, yeah, and so everything that Andy does is like retroactively placed onto Hank. And like I, I have tried, and I know you have too, to like create that distance consciously, mm-hmm. but it's very hard when a lovely group of people interact with you and your work on a weekly basis or on a daily basis on Twitter or TikTok or whatever, because 
there you're always going to show glimpses of yourself that are the, some of the same yeah. glimpses or analogous glimpses to the glimpses you show of yourself in fiction. Yeah. And this was this was not really an issue except for in like scholarship mm-hmm. except in academia or in the case of like close friends family members. Yeah. Until pretty recently, right? Because like like I like we all read uh J.D. Salinger into Catcher in the Rye. But the reason we read J.D. Salinger into Catcher in the Rye was because he was so overwhelmed by the response to Catcher in the Rye that he removed himself from public life and stopped publishing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he like did something so dramatic. It's hard, it, it's hard not to. Yeah. Right? I, but like now, now everybody is in that J.D. Salinger position right. where like inevitably you become a central part of the narrative around the story or the poem or whatever. Yeah, I, I think all the time about what I knew about my favorite authors when I read their books growing up. And it was just the author bio. Like, like what else could I know? I could, like, go to the library and find, a uh, like, a magazine interview maybe with them if I was nuts. But no, you just get, like, the, you know, you get, like, three sentences in the back of the book. That's what you know. And, and so... The the book I think the the work tended to in the past stand much more on its own. But this is probably a bit a bit of a different question here, where it's like particularly the people in my life reading this story, in which like the characters experience trauma or they are like dealing with difficult things, um, seeing like like being afraid that regardless of how true this is, that like people will read that book and like come away not thinking about the book as the work but thinking about you as the author and whether or not they need to be like worried or concerned about right. that um right it's so like that's very hard and i think that it, it in, in a lot of ways you kind of can't do it and i had to work really hard not to think about particularly my parents when i was writing because i you know i i wanted to not be stuck in a world where um you know like you know, I had to be thinking of the 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 audience that I wanted, not the audience that um, I was most worried about. I guess. Right. Yeah, that's a great observation. In general, that's really good advice. I think. I also think you can go to your parents or friends, and before they read it, say, "Listen, this is a story, and it's got connections to my life, but it's not my life, mm-hmm. and that's how story that's how stories work for me." And I know it will be hard to read it that way, but that's how it was written. Yeah. Right. And I'm fine. I'm not fine, but I'm fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nobody's fine. Uh, yeah. And I, I, and this is the, the, part of what makes this so complicated is that this is an impossible ask, right? It is an impossible ask to ask people like, hey, don't read what you know about the author into the book. Like, right. that, that, that's just not possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, so, it's like, I really want you to read this. My friend Jeff wrote it. Uh, <laughs> but, but you have to read yeah, it. I, I know you don't care about Jeff or no Jeff, but you have to read this and you have to be honest about what you think. Well, and that's the other thing, right? Is that like, if I, if you really wanted to, you, that's what you would do if you didn't want them to know that it was you. 
Well, um, or you would find some way to do that, just as you could have published. You could have published your book under a pseudonym and then mom and dad might never have known that it was yours. But like you want them to read it and you want them to know that you wrote it. And so all of these conflicting, difficult things are happening all together. And that's why I don't think there's like an easy or straightforward way around the question. And that's why you're right. It has begun to obsess me. (laughs) Because <laughs> like what the the questions that really interest me are the ones that don't have easy, straightforward, right. simple answers. Like for years, I was able to say books belong to their readers, and now I'm a little bit like books belong to their readers. But right, it is complex. Back in the day, they solved that problem by just saying that God wrote it. Oh, those were the days, like when John Milton could be like. Ah, uh, you know how it is, man. A little little angel bird yeah. appeared on my shoulder and whispered all all of Paradise Lost into my <laughs> ear, and I just wrote it down. So don't read me into it. Blame the bird. <laughs> the muses. This next question comes from Audra, who uh, says, "Sup." <laughs> right, we're going informal. It's on, in all caps. Is the Earth yeah. not round? For my entire life, I thought the Earth was perfectly round, and it's not. Are all the planets not perfectly circular? Does that change things? Thanks, Audra. Uh, Audra, I've got really bad news. Oh, do you? Yeah. What's the bad news? Nothing. Nothing Nothing. is perfectly round. Yeah, well, except the idea of round, which is wild. Right. Right. There is an idea of round that exists and that is real, and we can write equations about it to express this mm-hmm. idea of round, and we can write sentences about yeah, it to the, express the fact this that idea you can do round. it in a sentence is the weird thing. Like, you can't draw a perfect circle, but you can say it's a line, all points of which are the same distance from the middle. Uh, and then, yep. like, that, that is more of a circle than anything that has ever been created. And it has I mean, no circles that's, in it. That's mind blowing. Nothing is round, Audra, except <laughs> for sentences describing roundness. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, you've got a couple of different ways in which the Earth is not round. You're you've always been familiar with one of them, which is that sometimes the Earth goes up and then down, uh, and you get tired when you're walking up the Earth, and then you can yeah. sort of like run down it. Or like ski down it, so that's sure, a weird I mean, way. You've got, you've got young person knees. <laughs> so that's a way to uh, run a, to to for that the Earth is not perfectly round. It has it has bumps, uh, but it is also uh, because it's fit, it's spinning uh, is a little bit of has a bulge in the middle where it's like literally because of the spin is squished out a little bit about uh, seventy thousand feet wider. Uh, across at the diameter than it is at the pulse, which is a, a lot, uh, a weird mm. weird amount. And that also has, yeah. happens to the atmosphere. So it's not like that like pokes through the atmosphere, but it's further right. from the center of the planet, about 70,000 yeah. feet. Yeah. Makes me feel better about my shape. <laughs> God. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it that way. But this yeah. for this reason... Uh, just the, a little, uh, just because of the spinning, I'm just a little wider in the middle. Uh for this reason, the uh, Mount Everest is not actually the furthest point from the uh, center of the Earth. It is the highest Whoa. mountain, but the furthest point from the center of the Earth is, I think, in Ecuador or somewhere around there. It's a, wow. a, a mountain that's closer to the equator. Wow. Yeah. That is 
That's fascinating. I'm going to, that's a great, that's fascinating. Does that, does that give you a good fact? There's there's like several ways in which Mount Everest isn't the tallest planet. The other one is that Mauna Kea is the highest from the base to the top. It's just that the base is underwater. Hmm. So mm. it's, nothing's ever simple. Uh, just like the fact that nothing is round. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes, nothing is round except that words make it so, and nothing is simple except that words make it so. This next question comes Ooh, from wow. <laughs> Andrew, who writes, Dear John and Hank, how am I supposed to hear about food recalls? I heard about this peanut butter recall on your <laughs> podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I haven't been feeling great lately. <laughs> Should I have a news alert set up or something? What's going on with these food recalls? DFTBA Andrew. I I think that this is like literally the the way that they do it is they just like put out a press release and uh, all the news organizations are like, okay, today we're going to do something constructive. We're going to let people know about a thing they didn't know about that's actually something they need to know about. And that's Right. <laughs> I think that's the main way it happens. Yeah. But a- Andrew is right that if you don't engage with lots of traditional, like, television-based media sources, right. you might not know about them. Yeah. And, like, I would argue that not engaging with television news it's kinda, might yeah, be the right call yeah, it's that, outside of poisoned peanut <laughs> This butter. is super weird that you have to consume... Uh, some form of news that is going to contain probably a lot of stuff that's not going to be, you know... Great for you. The right vibe anyway, uh, in order to be aware of when your food might kill you, which uh, maybe there should be an app for that. There should be an app for There's that. There's probably an app for that. I I would set up a Google News alert, but only for the things that I eat a lot of, mm-hmm. like Potbelly's Turkey Sandwich news alert. You know, if there's any any big news coming out of the world of pop bellies, I want to know about it. <laughs> well, black black beans and or rice. If those if there any <laughs> any issues emerge in those fields, I'm I'm I, I'm in a proper emergency. Oh man. But like I John, I don't need one for iceberg lettuce. Yeah, and they often are for iceberg lettuce, which is interesting. They we, are. We're not doing yeah. iceberg lettuce well. Well, in 2017, the uh, the USDA launched what this article calls a handy dandy app called Food Keeper <laughs> that alerts uh, people to food recalls the moment they are announced by the USDA's Food Safety and Inspection Service uh, a- and the FDA. So you will always be in the loop. It's called Food Keeper. It's one word, and the K is capital. And you, it, it's also available on the internet. There you go. Just go to Food Keeper. Food Keeper. I, I can't believe great, it. Uh, well, pro- great job I mean, by the USDA I, once again. I thought again. we were going to be goofing. It turns out the USDA had obviated the, the problem. They had seen it and they'd solved it. Obviated. And they're amazing. Obviated? It's one of my favorites, John. What's it mean? It's just to remove a difficulty. Obviated. Oh, God, I'd like to obviate several aspects of my life. <laughs> now that I have language for this, I most of my issues are around obviation and and the lack of it. I don't really know how it's different from like avoid, but it just it feels like I it's just maybe wa- a little bit uh, a little bit more sort of permanent. 
Uh, I just want to, yeah. yeah. It's like what I think of is you're racing this 110 meter hurdles race, but then if you obviate the obstacles, mm-hmm. you can go much faster. Yeah, you don't have to jump at all. Yeah. So it's like bef- you like see the problem coming and you create the solution and then you've ob- then you've obviated. It's, I'll tell I'll tell you the truth. It sounds like a business word, but I think if we could get it out of business and like into regular words, yeah, that I, would be good news. I might know it for business reasons. <laughs> just, I, sometimes There's I sit in tension. our meetings and I, I hear the business words flying around and I'm like, this is, yeah. this is terrible. But then I'm like, but also very efficient. Like I know what they mean. Totally. Yeah. I, and it used to be like Hank and I would go to business meetings and people would say business words and you could see Hank and I like blanch and roll our eyes and yeah. make well, fake barfing the, sounds The other and thing stuff. that I've gotten good at is being like, I don't know that one, which initially like, oh, yeah. it, it felt very bad to be like, I don't have any idea what we're talking about right now. I think that you said the word cack. 400 times <laughs> before I knew what it meant. CAC is very important. <laughs> it is. It's very important. I just didn't know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did this in a meeting last week. I was like, everybody said this three or four times and I don't know what it is. And uh, and then several people were like, yes, me too. And I was like, ah, see, we need to speak with each other. What well, what? What was it? I can't remember. It was something to do with higher education. It was in a meeting with, uh, like, it was a crash course thing. Oh, yeah. They're, they have so many acronyms in the higher ed world. Oh, God. Sorry, I'm giving myself a COVID test tank. Don't bother. Don't, I was don't just right me. up there. Um, here's, a, here's a, this is actually a tab I have open right now. You can reserve your spot for a white glove landing page service fully supportive of your AOV, ROA, and CPA goals. Wow. Wow. And I oh. and like I just read that like words. I'm so old. Yeah. Um white white glove <laughs> needs to go. I mean <laughs> that, that that needs to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I I haven't received a white glove service in real life ever and I don't want one. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. This next question <laughs> comes from Laura, who writes, Dear John and Hank, what would have happened if the earth never had trees that could be used for lumber or structures? Mm. Like, say they just never grew or evolved and we just had shrubbery. Would we have been able to figure out boats and stuff? Would mm. we be different? Wondering about the big flora. Laura. Wow. Really good name. Specific sign off. Yeah, I think we would have figured out boats, but it definitely would have taken longer. Like everything would have taken longer. Trees are so good. You also like you also have to think, you know, that you can still burn the shrubbery like you can do fires. But like it's just a lot more work to maintain a fire that has a lot of little bits in it than like big bits. So I would also also a thing. I, I would also be worried that we couldn't have the climate that we have that's allowed us to thrive without trees. That, sure. I think that uh, that that could be also be a problem. The shade as well, I love that and wouldn't, wouldn't oh, want yeah. to not have that. I mean, if there, if there were no trees, I don't know that, I don't know, if, yeah. there, were, if there had never been a tree, mm-hmm. I don't think that there would be humans at all. You think there would be no people? You think people would, are impossible without trees? I don't think that's true. I'm not saying that they're impossible. I'm just saying that, like, I don't think apes would have 
been crushing it 30 million years ago. <laughs> yeah, and so okay. I'm, I get to where you're I'm at. concerned yeah. that there might not be humans. Yeah. The woodless world, human free. <laughs> <laughs> it's my new novel. <laughs> the, the, the I woodless mean, world. the woodless world is yeah. a really good name for a novel. I don't know what it's about. Yeah. Or a I coffee like a brew. Oh, yeah. No, it's a, it's a so, little so kind like, of a bummer on coffee. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Given that we're trying trying with the awesome coffee club to make um, deforestation right. not happen, yeah. the woodless world seems like the wrong name for the coffee. But that does remind me, Hank. Oh, last week we made a big deal, or two weeks ago we made a big deal of the fact that you could go to awesomecoffeeclub.com <laughs> really and get a sweet sweet uh, discount by oh putting in God. dear Hank or dear John in the promo code. And then Hank and I were we looking both, at the stats and we were up. like, yeah. we were like, this is a catastrophe. Like, this that. is the worst promotion we've ever yeah. done. It's gotten a total of like two purchases. And that was because you couldn't actually buy the coffee <laughs> with those discounts. <laughs> you could only buy a mug and that's, that's on us. Yeah. We're sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, we got, we, we got reached out to by uh, somebody at DFTBA and they were like, do you want me to make that so that that works? <laughs> and they did. <laughs> They did make it so that it works. Yeah. So if you go to awesomecoffeeclub.com right now, you can get great coffee sent to your house on a regular schedule and get two cents off. Awesomecoffeeclub.com, promo code Dear John. Or Dear Hank. Sure. All right. It looks like I don't have COVID again, even though I sure do have a fever. <laughs> uh, well, it turns out there are other diseases. I guess so. This next question comes from Caleb, who asks, Dear Hank and John, why are the planets close to the sun, small and rocky? And why are the planets far from the sun, huge and gassy? Is it like this in every solar system? Are the big ones just rock ones down at their core? (laughs) Help, I need this info for a trip I'm planning. Caleb. (laughs) (laughs) You and Elon Musk, buddy. You and Elon Musk. Planning the trip since 2004. yeah, Hank, is that real? Uh, well, I mean, it, that is certainly the case in our solar system. It is not universal, though. There are lots of what they call hot Jupiters, which are uh, big gas giants that orbit close into their stars. It, we we have a lot to learn about planetary formation and about uh, other planetary systems. And the, one of the things that is the problem here, and I want to write a sideshow about this, is that we have a bunch of tools for how to detect planets, but they detect certain planets. So like, for example, there's like the wobble method mm. where you can actually see the star wobble a little bit as the orbit as the planets orbit mm-hmm. it. But in order to see that wobble, you have like the planet has to be close and it has to be big. So we have a really good system for detecting certain kinds of planets. So we know about a lot of hot Jupiters, but that doesn't mean that they're common. It means that we can detect them. And I think oftentimes when uh, science journalists write about this, they're like, why are there so many hot Jupiters? And it's like, well, maybe there aren't. It's just that like we're good at detecting them right now. So there's a sampling bias. And this is also true for planets that are closer versus farther away. So the further, so there's the transit method is how we know about most exoplanets, which is when a, a planet passes in front of the star and the brightness of the star drops. And that... Right. Uh, so, but in order for th- that to happen, the planet has to be perfectly aligned with us looking at it, uh, with its star, mm. because it could, you mm. know, there's no like pl- solar planetary systems don't like 
orbit in the galactic plane or anything. They're, they're totally right, they random. Right, they have like an up and down. Yeah, they, yeah. they, they tumble around. So uh, it's com- it's totally random whether or not you can see that, and it's actually quite un- unlikely. But also, if there's just a little bit of tilt, the close ones might be transiting, but the far ones won't be. So it's harder to see planets that are farther away. It's also easier to see planets that are bigger because they block more light when you're talking about the transit method. So closer in, b- bigger planets are much easier to detect than farther out, smaller planets. So our understand like we have detected a huge number of exoplanets but we are not particularly good at at like we haven't gotten there's like gaps in what we can detect um and so we are still working on uh we're still working on filling in those gaps with better uh sensors and better systems so we don't really know hold on i'm not near, i'm not really i'm not near the mic i just realized that's an important part of making okay. the podcast <laughs> And so we don't really know what percentage of exoplanets we've discovered. Like we we aren't able to like extrapolate out very effectively. We yet. can Is we can right? extrapolate some things, but there are big gaps in what we can extrapolate. Okay. Yeah. Um but but yeah. we do there are a couple of uh things that make us believe that solar systems like ours where the inner planets are rocky and the outer planets are gaseous are not weird and that often happens and and that there are physical reasons why this happens so one of the big ones is that like for gas to clump together it helps for it to be cold because you can sort of like get past what they call the frost line where uh hydrogen can compound into ice which makes it sort of bump into each other more which makes it easier for it to form into uh a planet rather than just keep, keep getting like pushed farther out by the solar winds whereas the the heavier elements that the terrestrial planets are made out of they uh are able to condense at higher temperatures closer into the star. So it, it appears that there is a logical, like there's a reasonable explanation for why the inner planets of our solar system are rocky and the outer planets are are gaseous. And that in these situations where there, there are these like close in gas giants, that might be a situation where it is not unusual for, for like planets to form and then like rearrange themselves in a solar system. And sometimes they end up going in close, hmm. maybe. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. Well, all of that reminds me that today's podcast is brought to you by Hot Jupiters. <laughs> that's it. That's a good Hot coffee name. Hot Jupiters. A good coffee name. <laughs> this podcast is also brought to you by Mount Chimborazo, the furthest <laughs> point from the equator of our planet. Take that, all you Everest climbers. And today's podcast is brought to you by A Woodless World. A Woodless World. It's a great phrase, but it wouldn't be a great world. And of course, this podcast is brought to you by the yacht sank. Uh, <laughs> works both ways. <laughs> That's the joke. We also have a Project for Awesome message from Roland in the Netherlands to Hilda. It's exactly 10 years ago when we met at John's Tiffios reading in Amsterdam. Oh, wow. The Dutch nerdfighter community brought us together. And now 10 years later, we are ah! married and expecting our nerdfighter ah! baby girl. Ah! Oh, my God. Ah! I might start crying. Ah! <laughs> I've had an emotional day. I have no doubt that you're going to be an amazing mom because you never forget to be awesome. Without you, my life would be a lot less colorful. Love, Roland. P.S. We have a baby gift list here. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, Roland. Ah, You're gonna make ah, me cry. Ah, you get. I'll. I'll. I'll buy you a straw. Are we too late? Because it got submitted a long time ago. Oh God, that. I, that's. It, we are too late. Oh no. I got something. Um, 
I got stuff. Oh, wait, there's a password. There's a password. There's a password. Yeah. I, you didn't right, notice the on. password? Uh, no. I don't speak um, Dutch, oh. though, so I'm confused. <laughs> oh, yeah. They just, they need a blender and they need one of those uh, little swaddling things. Uh, a, yeah, which is called apparently a bad cape. A bad cape. <laughs> Do you think they accept just money? Whatever. We'll work it out, Roland. Um <sighs> This, I mean, Hank. No, this is that's that's definitely what that is—a kinder stole. A kinder stole. It's, it's a and child a bad stool. Cape. And a bad cape. Yeah. And a slapsack. And a slapsack. Do you know what a slapsack is, John? I do now. <laughs> it's wait, like wait, a, it's stop like a looking. Onesie. Stop looking, and I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. read you Dutch baby things and tell okay. you you're gonna see if you know what they are. What is a okay. what is a hodge? Oh. <laughs> Well, so it's bad pronunciation. Yeah, that's, that's for, for sure. sure. Uh huh. Um, I do not know. Uh, hodge. Okay, is it a little <laughs> like? Is it little baby shoes? Um, the first part is hod. What part of a baby might is a hod be? Is it a little baby hoodie? A little hoodie for <laughs> that's babies. Close. It's a bucket is it a hat. hat? It's is a it hat. a baby yeah, hat? It's the baby hat. It looks like a bucket okay. hat that like the cool kids wear. Um, what about <laughs> what about a Beats Speedle? Oh, a Beats Speedle is definitely a crib. <laughs> no, it's got the word speed in it. Uh, it's a place where the babies spit. It's a tooth. It's a te- teething device. Oh, beat speedle. Yeah, sure. It's a beat speedle. Yeah. God, I love Dutch. It's good. Uh, I've got one for you, Hank. Uh-huh. What do you think? What do you think a blender is? <laughs> it's a blender. I think it's, it's a, probably it's a, blender. a blender. Yeah. Oh, I I it is so one of the great, great pleasures of having done this for so long. I remember that Faultner Stars gathering 10 years ago. And one of the great pleasures of having done this for so long is getting to see relationships grow and deepen among people who are in our community. And hearing that, it's just it's just so special. So thank you. It's thank you good. for letting us be part of your lives. Thank you for giving us a seat at the table. And thank you for making relationships with each other. It's amazing. What do you think Modermelk Biwarzakjus is? Mother milk. I mean, it's it's mother's milk. Uh-huh. Um, is it a bottle? Yeah, it's like bags. Okay, yeah, yeah, like breast milk bags. Uh-huh. Yeah, motor milk. Yeah, motor milk. <laughs> I love Dutch. Love Dutch. So we all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but there are two things that you shouldn't compromise on. One is name brand Dr. Pepper. The off-brand stuff just doesn't hit the same. And another is, of course, your health. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines or their family group chat or the crossword puzzles just because they're available right now or take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally, no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly 
highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat basically any condition you're searching for. And the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 72 hours. So go to ZocDoc.com slash DearHank and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash DearHank. ZocDoc.com slash DearHank. This episode of Dear Hank John is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is there to help you maintain the kinds of habits that you want to have. For me, I need to have the right kind of food in the house or I will eat whatever. Oreo recently sent me some free fancy Oreos. They were weird. I ate all of them. I ate all of them in a week and it was a problem. I can't do that. I need to have healthy, good stuff in the house and Thrive Market can help you have healthy habits. It's a great go-to for all your grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online and then like just quickly shipped to the doorstep, it's a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with great ingredients and sourcing methods. They got Amy's, Banza, Burt's Bees, Chobani, Honest Kids, Kind, Mike's Hot Honey, Oatly, Olipop, Poppy, Salt. I've never heard of salt, but it's got two A's in it, so it has to be good. And as a Thrive Market member, you can save money on every single grocery order. On average, you can save over 30% every time. And they also have a deals page that changes every day. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a $60 free gift. I enjoyed my $60 free gift. I was surprised by it, and it was the kind of thing I wouldn't have bought. And then now I'm like on the ghee train. They gave me free ghee. And I was like, I don't know what ghee is. But then I was like, oh, this is great. It's like butter, but it's different and more spreadable. <laughs> Go to thrivemarket.com slash DearHank for 30% off your first order, plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, market.com slash DearHank, thrivemarket.com slash DearHank. Hank, Hank, what, what, Hank? Hank. What? Hank. What? Hank. AFC Wimbledon played a oh. football game. Oh. <laughs> our first our first game in the fourth tier of English football in a number of years since we got relegated uh-huh. last year. And you'll recall why we got relegated, Hank. There were there were two main reasons. Yeah. One was that uh after December eighth, we did not win a game. So we went which 28 is a most, games. Most, which is a lot of the season. It's most of the season. That's not we good. went twenty-eight games without a victory. It's not good. No. Very well You can't can't really win if you don't win. That's what they say. If you don't win any football games, it is unlikely that you will succeed in football. Mm. That is one of the basic rules of sports. Do you want to know how many days it was? It was eight months, Hank. It was eight months without winning a football game. It was 200 35 days that Wimbledon fans went to Plow Lane hoping to see their team win, only to not see them win. Well, our first season back in League Two has just begun, and I was like, oh, God, I don't know. We've made all these signings. We've got a high, really high quality uh, players now, but 
we don't win football games. I don't even remember what it's like to win a football game. <laughs> and we were playing Gillingham or possibly Gillingham, whom you'll recall were yeah. also relegated mm-hmm. from League One. So so they're probably one of the best teams in League Two since they were, you know, in, they in League One bad. recently. They, yeah. They were better than us last year. Yep. And um and so I was like, oh God, this just it's so high pressure. Well, Hank. I have not seen us look that good on a football field in years. Johnny Jackson, our manager, has Wimbledon playing a really attractive kind of football, defending well, but then going forward. And there's this kid who's uh, one of our fullbacks. His name's Jack Curry. He's been with Wimbledon since he was 12 years old. He's just been promoted to the senior team. He was playing his first game of professional football in his young life Mm -hmm. in front of the fans who've watched him grow up since he was in fifth grade or whatever they call it in England. (laughs) And not only did did he have an amazing game, he scored a goal he scored a goal in our 2-0 victory over Gillingham or possibly Gillingham. And it was the most beautiful. Th- it was so beautiful. You could see the tears rush to his eyes as he scored the goal and all the players surrounded him. He was named man of the match. Uh, is just incredible. We won a football game for the first time in eight months. For the first time in 2022, we won a football game. Christmas was two weeks away the last time we won a football game. And we won a football game. The other goal was scored by Ethan Chislett, also a longtime Don. And it was an absolute rocket from outside of the box. It was like a Premier League level goal. It was incredible. And I mean, obviously, it's one game out of a 46-game season. But, oh, I could not help but hope. I cannot help but hope, Hank, we look a lot better than we did last year. And some of our best players weren't even on the pitch yet. We got this new midfielder. His name is Paris Magoma, and he is really good. Like, he looked very, very talented. We also just signed um, somebody whose initials are NYC, and that's what he goes by. He goes by NYC, even though he's not not from New York. <laughs> and uh, he looks good. Young Nathan Hoobity what's combs. Mm. He looks very good. Mm. So I'm full of I I we won a football game. The, yeah, the it, so far, if all goes like this, you're gonna win all of them. That's right. We're we're on pace to have the greatest season in League Two history. <laughs> <laughs> the Look, other thing it's, it's it's still possible. The other thing is that our uh the AFC Wimbledon kits came out. And the away kit is a really dark blue. Uh-huh. And the patch, the DFTBA Nerdfighteria patch is gold. Mm-hmm. And it looks so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I get one of these? Can I buy one of these for, for those uh, people's baby? You can. You buy the shorts and then you have to buy the patch separately. Oh, you have to buy it. But a, you can do it. You have to it. buy the patch separately. I don't know. Go to afcwimbledon.co.uk and you can figure it out. Listen, it's a fourth tier English football team, Hank. They don't have the best like international uh, <laughs> clothing options, but you can make it happen. Okay. That's great. Well, I'm very glad. Uh, were you watching the game? Did you get to see it? I watched the whole game and, oh God, it was just such a joy. It was so such a relief 
You know, it's yeah. just it just felt great. It just, I I had genuinely forgotten what it was like to win, and so the whole time we were one nil up because we scored in the fourteenth minute, and I was like, "That's way too early." Yeah, I've seen this movie before. <laughs> then when we scored, when Jack Curry scored that second goal, I was like, "Maybe this is different. Maybe it's different." Like we kept a clean sheet, we scored a couple goals. The players looked really promising. Yeah. I don't know. I was feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. What's going on on Mars? Um, well, on Mars, I can't figure out how to buy things from this baby website in the Netherlands, uh, and so instead, I'm buying. <laughs> so instead, I'm buying myself a, a adult away walkout jacket from the AFC Wimbledon store. <laughs> <laughs> They're beautiful. <laughs> they do look good. This week in Mars news. Um, so, so the the plan has always been, and this is always it's just been a plan, is that the the Perseverance rover is taking rock samples and then it's just like dropping them on the surface of Mars. It's saying, uh, here they are, come get them later. Uh, and then the idea is that eventually something will come get them later. The problem is that as this plan continued for the European Space Agency to design the rover that would pick up the tubes and then like the rocket that would then launch into Mars's orbit and then get them back to Earth somehow uh, became very expensive and cumbersome. And so now NASA is saying, okay, let's not send a separate rover just to pick up vials of rock and dirt. Maybe we will get the Perseverance to do it for us since it's already there. And also Curiosity has been so tremendously successful and long-lived, it may have time to do this. Um, and which means that potentially uh, it will do that work and then there will be just one lander instead of two, one with a rover and one with a rocket, uh, where the rocket could, the Perseverance would like give it to the rocket and be like, here, buddy, take it home. And if oh. all of that works, Earth might be getting its first delivery of Mars rocks around 2023. <laughs> That's pretty soon. It's it's pretty soon. Wait, next year? 20. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And if all this works, Earth will be getting its first delivery of Mars Mars rocks by around 2033, which (laughs) is not great for like my schedule for when people need to get to Mars. Uh, So... Uh, we we make it. Hopefully, we'll get we'll get rocks after we get people uh, there and back, which would make the whole thing. If we if we are able to sort of uh, figure out rockets the way that uh, people who talk big think that we can, then all this will have been for naught, and we'll just have people coming back from Mars with just tons of rocks. Yeah, but seems un- unlikely at this point. I mean, we are now only five years away from this podcast getting this is- renamed. This is it's starting, it, 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 it's starting to seem like it could happen. Well, first the the thing that it mainly makes me think is when we made that joke, I was like, "That's an impossible distance away." Right, right, right. Because twenty twenty eight or whatever it is, yeah, is just so it's just infinite future. Right, and now it's like, oh yeah, no, we're gonna get there. Yeah, we're gonna get there. I think it's pretty likely that we'll be making a podcast, and especially now that I know that we have listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um, and th- and thanks. I'm glad that we do have listeners. And I'm yeah. glad that I have a brother uh, to make podcasts with me, even if, uh, you know, if you're not able to show up and Keanu Reeves wants to come on instead, that's also totally acceptable. <laughs> uh, if I'm not able to show up and Keanu Reeves comes on instead, I will be showing up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That, that would be an awful shame. Uh, 
for you, but uh, just a complete delight for me to rub it in your face forever. Um, <laughs> so that's that's my hope. If you want to ask us questions, you can do that. Uh, Hank and John at gmail.com is the email address to send them to. Thank you all so much for your delightful questions. We're off to record our Patreon-only podcast. It's called This Week in Stuff, where we talk about the things that made us happy this week. Uh, and I... I hope I have something to say. It's been a little bit of a stressful time for me, honestly, John. But yeah, maybe we'll just talk about things that are making us miserable, like <laughs> illness. Yeah. This podcast is edited by Joseph Tunamadish. It's produced by Rosiana Hals Rojas. We want to say a thank you to Julia Bloom, who has been our communications coordinator for ever so long. Julia is headed off to do new and cool and big and exciting new things. Uh, but you will be missed, Julia. Uh, hats off. Thank you for all of your hard work. Our editorial assistant is Debuki Trakravarti. The music you're hearing now is by the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be, be awesome. awesome.